Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Wednesday Debate Show. It's a show that has Ashley Barnes as our Twitter picture. On today's part, we're going to be looking ahead to another weekend of FA Cup action. In particular, a game that's the very definition of a David v Goliath clash when City head to League 2 Cheltenham Town. We'll also be having a good old chuckle at Liverpool's expense ahead of their trip to Old Trafford this Sunday. To discuss all this and more, I'm just delighted to be joined by two Goliaths who are impervious to social media stone-throwing. It's Jordan Elgott and Joe Butterfield. Hi Jordan, you well pal? Yeah, I'm good, thank you mate. Um, I'm not sure that description quite suits me as I did go on private earlier this week. Just needed a bit did of a break from it all. Right. Yeah, it's just just too much. So many angry people on Twitter. I was like, I just need a break. I don't need this right now. Um, but yeah, I'm good mate. I'm delighted that for the first time in a while, I'm going through a period here where I'm actually looking forward to watching City play. It's probably come at the best possible time given what's going on in the outside world. It's provided a nice little distraction. Absolutely. I think that's the same for, for a lot of us. Yeah. And um, what was it? I don't want to kind of start it all up again, but what was it you tweeted that got you these angry responses? Oh uh, yeah. We discussed it on the last part. I, I just asked how much pe- people would basically value Raheem Sterling at and how much they'd be happy to sell right. him for. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not just that. I, I, you know, it seems like every tweet, I was just getting people in my mentions, just looking for an argument. And I just thought, and oh, I knew that I should go on private because I was actually biting back. And usually I just yeah. let it slide. I was like, clearly biting back too much. I just thought, have a nice little holiday away from these angry people on Twitter. Only two days or so, and it's done me the world of good. <laughs> Mate, I've been there, absolutely. It is the best thing for it. It's um, You can go down a rabbit hole very quickly on that. Yeah. Um, Joe, are you well? Yeah, I'm all good, all good. Um, yeah, I've not had to, I've not had any social media controversy that's made me have to go private. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing all right now. I but Joe, you go, look, you, you love it. You, you want to target <laughs> the true Geordies of the world. You want oh, that sort of stuff that you mentioned. It's true. I'm all chasing the clout. That's what it is. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reveling it. Joe, you're the worldwide of a people up. <laughs> yeah. It's your way around with you. <laughs> it was, it was, I've got to say, it was great when Liverpool lost last night, just being able to, th- it's been a while since we've been able to like sort of bait Liverpool fans on social media, hasn't yes. it really? Because they've yeah. been, they've been very good. So it's been nice to sort of get back to a bit of, a bit of what we, what we were doing two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, well, before we get to, to Liverpool, I'm um, looking forward to that already. Um, a bit of sad news this week that Sergio Aguero has tested positive for COVID. Just seems to be one thing after another for the lad at the moment. Um, and it kind of feels, and I know I'm looking very much with a pessimistic bent on this, but it feels like we might not see him fit and firing at his best any time this season. Um, if that's the case, Jordan, can City get through this whole season and you know win trophies without him? Well, first of all, um, what I'd say is, because I, I was feeling like that as well, Steve, um, looking at Aguero and just thinking he's just not going to return to that anywhere near the level that we expect him to. But I did say it with company as well. And I, I, that makes me way more reluctant to write anyone with that level of quality off. I know Sergio's, you know, he's 32 now, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I think it's been a year since he scored a Premier League goal. Obviously, there have been outside circumstances to that not played for a lot of that year. Um, but I've still got a little bit of hope that he will come back and be the Sergio Aguero that we we love. Um, as for whether City can survive the rest of the season and meet the expectations that we have of them and win trophies, I think we can, definitely. 
But what I would say is it's going to be a hell of a lot tighter in the league than it would have been if we had a fit and firing Sergio Aguero. I think you only have to look at the Aston Villa game, the amount of crosses that were put across the face of goal, just crying out for a striker to knock them in. I think Haaland would have had a hat-trick in that game if we had someone like that. Um, And I'm now at the point where I think we would walk this league if we had a reliable, clinical goal scorer like Sergio. Um, But that seems to be our Achilles heel at the moment, putting the ball in the back of the net. We're doing okay at the moment, but the defence is sorted. The only thing that seems to really be missing at the moment is that clinical striker. Um, so fingers crossed he does come back. You know, he, Once he's finished with COVID, hopefully there's no long-lasting symptoms. There's no reason why he can't get back. He's had an extended break after his injury. Um and if we can get him back for the remainder of the season, that would be a massive, massive boost. Yeah. Well, just um, sorry, I was just fighting with my cat then. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering I what I, that noise was. I thought I could hear the cat then. <laughs> um, extending on your point there, Jordan, um, could this get this situation get worse then for City, Joe, as regards to the need for a clinical goal poacher? Because if it's tight right now, it's going to get tighter, isn't it? And, you know, you look back at the kind of 2012 and, and kind of um, to QPR, if it's going to go to the wire, if it's five games to go, if there's must-win games, highly pressurised, where you're just looking to get through it 1-0, that's when you're really looking at a proven goal scorer. So I know it's far in the distance and Sergio could be fit and well by then, and he probably will be, but we're going to need the likes of Aguero then, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think when he was sort of just before he went away with his latest, um, he had to, when he has to isolate, he came in against. Was it Marseille that he came off the bench against and he scored a goal? Um, he looked a lot sharper in that little in that brief cameo then than he sort of had when he came back from his injury before that. And I think we sort of we all started to get a bit excited then that maybe Aguero was sort of he was going to come back in and maybe be a bit more like the old Aguero rather than the clearly just coming off the back of a knee injury Aguero. Um, He's obviously, obviously a player like him is always going to be a difference maker in those kind of big tight games. But in terms of like how it's going to, in terms of the rest of the season, in terms of like needing sort of someone to step up at that point, I kind of think the defense is stepping up for that to sort of make up for that. Because I think we're not at a point now where we need to score. I mean, we never did need to score these in like 2017, 18, but scoring four or five goals regularly, we're not doing that anymore. But when we've got a defense that's, that's, rarely conceding as things have stood for the last month or two um you know you don't really need to score four or five you only need to put two or three put one or two of your chances away and you've probably won the game so i'm hoping that if we you know i'm quite confident that once aguero's back from from covid provided that he's not he's not you know he's just tested positive and doesn't actually have it with any serious symptoms although i think he did mention didn't he that he's that he's had a couple of symptoms yeah um then um hopefully he comes back and he's and he's and he's you know back to sort of more of what we saw before his injury last year that sort of that's kept him out for so long um because if we do have that then great because that's that that is ultimately what we've been missing um but hopefully, even if we don't have him, then as long as we've still got a defence that's functioning as well as it is at the moment, then we don't necessarily need that clinical edge as long as we are putting at least one or two chances away. Yeah, fair, fair point. And to put it into context, Aguero's only played 260 minutes a season from a possible 2,700, so that's 9.6% of City's game time he's appeared. 
It feels um, like it's not even been that. I know. It, that actually surprised me. I thought it'd be lower than that, to be honest. Um, against Burnley, McManaman, and it's very rare that I agree with uh, Steve McManaman, but it's an incontestable point he was making where he was saying as impressive as our front three is at the moment, and fluid and interchangeable and the false nines and all the rest of it, you know, we are better when we've got a focal point. And of course, that's what Sergio is. Um, but Jordan, accepting that as an obvious point, do City get the credit and do Pat, does Pat get the credit as well for how well we're playing right now without a recognised centre forward? I know Jesus is coming back, but he's not starting every week. Um, I, I think, and this is not an agenda thing, it's not paranoia, just speaking kind of, you know, Quite calmly about this, I, I think if we were, if it was any other club, if it was Tottenham under Mourinho, if it was Liverpool under Klopp, a lot of people would be writing articles about this right now that we're playing a different type of attacking football. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't think Pep is getting the credit that would be afforded to someone who's not got the record that he has and yeah. isn't managing the club that that he currently has. Um, yeah, it's. It's a difficult one because City are playing really well, but I think it also does stem from the fact that we're not scoring loads and loads of goals and the scorelines aren't that glamorous. I think had City been converting the chances that creating, mm, um, yeah. I, I think, you know, you, you're seeing, let's be honest, that game against Aston Villa, we could have won that 4-0. They're a good side as well. We, but, we could have lost at 8-4. It was a mad game. We, yeah, we could have done, but we've got Ruben Diaz at the back, so it's, yeah. you know, never conceded. Um City could have won that game 4-0. Uh, dismissed Palace, which was good. But generally, City are missing two or three big chances a game. I think when the scoreline every game is 4 or 5-0, it's a lot harder to not praise Guardiola and City. Um, and as we know, pundits and certain sections of the media will find things that they can criticise City for. Um, even if they're not that significant. So I, I think it does partly stem from that. I think it stems from the fact that, <clears throat> sorry, people do just expect it of City. Yeah. I, and I, I and we, we should um, be realistic with that as well, because while City aren't playing without a striker at the moment, and that is difficult, we do have an unbelievable squad where, you know, players like Bernardo Silva and we we do have Gabriel Jesus still. I know he's not really contributing that heavily. He is a striker. Um, so it's not like we're down to the bare bones. We are really only missing one player. It just happens to be that that player has been our saviour in, in previous seasons and has been the most reliable goal scorer in the Premier League over the past 10 years. Um, but, you know, there, there was no guarantee that Aguero was going to be like that if he was fit this season, because as I say, he is 32. Uh, it is the time where players tend to start their decline. Um, and while you said there that it is clear that City are better with a focal point, from a goal scoring point of view, yes. But there are times when I look at City and think, if Aguero was playing, maybe this build wouldn't be as good. Mm. Uh, so there are there are pros and cons to it, but I mean I, I, that's a very long winded answer as I tend to give. Um, but to go back to your question, is Guardiola and our City getting the credit that they deserve? Probably not, but it is very early in the season as well, and momentum can shift very quickly. Um, 
And there's no guarantee that City won't fall off in the next few weeks. There, there isn't, unfortunately. So I'm not too bothered about how much praise we're getting at the moment. I'm happy with us quietly going about our business and letting the media focus on the job that Mourinho's doing or how Leicester could win it. And City just keep winning, picking up mm, points, picking up sure. clean sheets, and then the praise will come at the end of the season if we if we win it. Well, whilst I agree with every word of that, I do find it bloody annoying that it's kind of accepted of City, expected, I should say, of City. And so it's like, well, this is who they are. This is how good they are. Because there's no other examples of that in, in our recent past. Is there? You know, you look at United, you expected United to be brilliant season after season during their dominance. And yet they still got, you know, a lot more praise than we did. But yeah, now I am starting to sound a bit paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe, as unlikely as this is, is it at all feasible that City might go out and sign someone in this transfer window? Um. I think Pep's come out the other day. Granted, this is this is before Aguero tested positive and said no, um, but I I would imagine that that's probably not changed because ultimately that just means that Aguero's out for a couple of weeks unless there's unless it is unless it is particularly bad. Um, personally, I don't really think that even if even if Aguero did have some kind of like long term injury that kept him out till the end of the season, I don't really think there'd be any point in doing that. I don't think there'd be any reason to. I don't know what you can do. There's not there's there's not really anything you can do in January, certainly not to sort of help sort out our goal scoring form that that's going to actually solve the issue unless you can unless you can somehow bring in someone like maybe Danny Ings or something for six months or some other kind of like impossible signing like that. And there's there's not really any reason to do it because I think you know we can all we can all agree that it's pretty much guaranteed that City are going to go big on a striker in the summer, um, hopefully, and mm-hmm. you know despite you know despite not having an Aguero so far this season, we've been doing all right. So it. It would be a bit silly, even if even if the even if the situation maybe called for it, it would it would be a bit silly to sort of start hitting you know the the transfer panic button just because just because we don't have Aguero. Yeah. I think that I think that's the thing. It's such a big signing for us. Like it's absolutely crucial. This is going to be a guy who we need to spearhead our team for the next five to six years, um, and you don't get those deals done in January. But funnily enough, I think the signing for us, with hindsight, maybe without hindsight should have been Cavani. Yeah. I think yeah. he would have scored for fun. I have no um, idea why we didn't even consider that. It was no. it was mad. It's just not a very us signing, is it? Um, we yeah. don't tend to sign that's players at that age. That's what it comes down to. That's what um, makes it so frustrating. Yeah, I think that's probably the reason behind it, that they don't sign players of that age, as you say. But, you know, there should be exceptions, surely. He, 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 I think he absolutely... If we can sign a young Cavani this summer... We'd be doing very well. His work rate, his finishing ability, he's good in the build-up as well, um, and he, he's just always in the right place. You saw his goal against Fulham. You know, it's 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 only comes about because it's like an Aguero-esque poach. Ariola spills the ball, and he's in the perfect place, and it doesn't happen by accident. Some players just yeah. know where where to be, and he's one of them. It's it's a shame really that that we weren't interested because I think when I look at our forward line. There just looks like there's something missing at the moment, even in our best team, which I'm not too sure what actually is our best team, um, obviously excluding Aguero. And I think it's just clear that that we're in desperate need of that superstar forward. Yeah. Okay, well, let's look ahead to Chapman when hopefully we won't be needing any superstar forwards. Um, and the lad should get it done, but <laughs> I'm not saying anything with certainty when it comes to the FA Cup. Before we look at the game itself... Um, 
there's been over £8,000. And when I say over £8,000, I'm going back to the 12th of January. So in that 10 days, you'd expect it to be a lot more as well. Raised for Cheltenham Town. Um, it was organised by the 1887 Red Army Fan Group. And the money's been raised by both Cheltenham fans and Manchester City fans um, via the kind of um, concept of virtual tickets. Um, Joe, I'm very conflicted with this. On the one hand, of course, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and, and everyone who's, who's donated, God bless them. Um, but it also saddens me that this is needed. I mean, I understand why, of course, in the pandemic and it's a, it's a low league club and this would have been a huge money spinner for, for, for the Robins. But it's it's a touch depressing as well, isn't it? That fans now are basically just keeping clubs afloat. Yeah, um, I just just for uh, just so everyone knows, it's it's actually um, just borderline twenty five grand now that's been what? raised for them. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I, I had a look myself this morning. It was I think it was literally just a few hundred pounds off twenty five thousand. So hopefully, incredible. hopefully by the time this comes out, it's uh, it's it's surpassed that. But yeah, I think it's. I think it's like you say. It's just it's just sad that it is needed at the at that lower like level of the club. I think there's there's ongoing talks at the moment between the EFL and the government and stuff for grants yeah. and things like that for like the lower leagues. And it's all it all sounds a lot like no one's going to get any extra money, which is um, which is you know th- that's a death knell for clubs at that level. To be honest, and I don't even want to think about what it's like further down the leagues and further down to the non leagues and that kind of thing. Um, but it is good. I mean, it, it's it's good that you know. Obviously, getting a, pulling a Premier League club out of the hat um, when you're a team at that level um, has always been sort of like the lottery win yeah. for for clubs at that level. Um, and maybe this and this isn't anywhere near sort of the level of money that they would have been getting had they been having a full stadium and been maybe or maybe going to the Etihad or something like that. Um, but it's nice to see that you know getting a Premier League team can still provide a cash boost in some form or another. Um, it's a bit like earlier in the season with Spurs and Leighton Orient, sort of when their game got abandoned and Spurs fans started to buy loads of merchandise from the club shop to sort of help raise money for them. Um, I it, it's just it's just sort of nice seeing. I think the uh, the Cheltenham manager came out um, said in his press conference, didn't he? That sort of it's quite it's quite nice of City fans because of course of course City fans. Um, know what it's like to be at the level in relatively recently the level that Cheltenham are at now. Um, so it's 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 sort of a bit of a nice a nice gesture from people who know what it's like to be sort of at that at that level of the of the pyramid, sort of struggling for for money and things like that. Well, I mean, looking at it from the positive side, then um, Jordan just warms the cockles of your heart, really, doesn't it? You know, but it's it's fans who come to the rescue. The government, you know, by and large, have been the bad guys and all this. The football authorities, you know, with all that recent kind of um, trying to kind of carve everything up for their own, you know to further their own benefit in the future. Um, when you look at the whole picture of this pandemic, the people who just have not let anyone down are the fans, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. I t- totally agree with everything Joe said, um, and it also shows the good side of social media. You know, yes. we we yeah. started off this podcast by slating it a bit. But without social media and the ability to share that sort of thing, people wouldn't have heard of that being an option. Um, and it, it's great to see that people, you know, let's be honest, you don't really get much in return for what you're paying. You, you get, I think you get a digital copy of the program and you get a digital copy of your ticket. It, people aren't doing this for that. People are doing this out of the goodness of the heart, um, which is lovely to see. Uh, and I think yeah, Marine did it as well, didn't they? for their game against Spurs and that was yeah. a great response. Um, yeah. And that, that's for me is the magic of the cup 
it's not necessarily about the small teams beating the bigger teams because obviously that can happen and it's great to see when when it happens as long as it's not City. <laughs> um, usually these fans of Cheltenham, Marine would get their, their big day out and they'd get to see Jose Mourinho at their home stadium. They'd get to see Pep Guardiola, you know, the likes of obviously Kevin won't be playing this weekend, but you know what I mean? Like these superstars that you wouldn't ordinarily see and it is such a shame, but for the clubs, it's not about that. It's about the the fact that from these games alone, they can keep themselves operating for months and months just from the income generated. And there obviously is a real risk that those clubs don't get anywhere near the fee that they would get. So for the fans to, you know, go out of their, go into their own pockets and support these small football clubs is, is great. And um, it lifts the spirits in this uh, really difficult time for sure. It does. It does. And I hope, well, they will still get the TV revenue, of course, but, um, yeah. and with that, I had no idea you've gone up to 25,000. That is amazing. Um, Okay, let's look at the lineup then for City. Um, KDB's out, obviously. Um, Joe, will De Bruyne's injury influence the shape and selection uh, as re- for Pep? I mean, do you think he would have featured it all in the first place? Uh, no, I'm I, I'm quite confident this would have been a game that he will have been um, he will have been rested for because I think this is this is the kind of game where hopefully we are going to see. I've I've sort of written out a, a, a team selection that I would hope to see. Yeah. Um and I think that it's basically just sort of giving everyone who's sort of the big players in the team at the moment a rest. So I've got Stefan in goal, obviously. Um I've I've had to put Cancelo at right back because I don't think we've really got any other option. I think I'm I'm not sure how serious what Kyle Walker picked up um out, yeah. against against Villa. Yeah, so if he's not if he's not available, then we've kind of got no other choice really. Um at the back, I want to see both Stones and Diaz rested, but I have a feeling that one of the two will play. Um I've gone with Harwood, Bellis and Laporte, because I think that we need to see this we're playing against Cheltenham. We need to see a couple of kids um come into come into yeah. the game. Um and um gone in midfield oh Mendy at left back because I think he is fit, isn't he? It's just a case yeah, that Zinchenko's bench, been picked yeah. over him. Yeah. Um, in midfield, I've gone with Rodri because I just think he'll play every game because he's Rodri. Um, Foden and Doyle, who I think has recovered from. Did he have COVID? I think he he's. Did. I yeah, think so he's, he was, he's so, available. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So hopefully he comes in, and then up front, I've gone with Mares and Torres, um, who've both sort of been on the periphery in the last few games, and Gabriel Jesus, who can hopefully get a goal or two to sort of get his confidence up again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we will see sort of a lot of interchanging of the of the kit. We'll see a few kids come in. Um, I'd be I'd be happy with Delap getting half an hour at some point in the game, maybe because you know hopefully we're not to jinx it, but hopefully we're a few goals clear by the time we get sort of the 60th, 70th minute, so we can start to see a bit of that happening. Well, I, I like that lineup. I think that's a good blend. That and it's a strong enough lineup to to see the, the game through. I think. Um, Jordan, do you have anything to add to that? Is there any kind of any of that team selection you think won't happen this this weekend? Um, I think it'll be there or thereabouts. The right back issue is a concern because I think Cancelo does need a rest, yeah. um, and I'm not sure what we can really do to to give him one if Walker's out injured. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be there or thereabouts. I totally agree with what he said about Gabriel Jesus. Um, he, I would definitely start him because we need him to start scoring some goals. 
And if he's not scoring against Cheltenham, then he's not going to score against anyone. No disrespect to Cheltenham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded quite disrespectful to Cheltenham, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> what I mean is, if he's not scoring against Cheltenham, he's not scoring against Premier League opposition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't mean it to be disrespectful, but it definitely <laughs> sounded. That was possibly the most disrespectful thing ever said on this podcast. <laughs> About Cheltenham. Um, yeah, hopefully no Cheltenham fans listening. Um, I think Fernandinho will start. I think uh, it's an ideal game for him. Remind the younger players in the team of no complacency. Yeah. Um, and also he's shown himself to be absolutely capable of still doing a very good job. Um, Torres I'd like to see Mares again he's got to be stat pad in this game I'm sorry he does he needs it If he, same as Jesus if he's not scoring against Cheltenham he's not scoring against Premier League sides um, so Mares and Jesus for me have to start showing a bit of uh, form in this game um, is Laporte fit? He's a he, well. He's expected to be available, but no one knows whether it's you know match fitness, whether he's going to start, whether it's on the bench. But um, I'm led to believe he's actually available. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see him starting. Uh, so, and I also, it's a weird one because Diaz and Stones have to be rested for me. I don't want to see Stones' hamstrings on that pitch. Yeah, um, yeah. and I don't want to see Diaz playing. We can't. I don't think play. Eric Garcia and Harwood Bellis as a partnership. So it is a really difficult one at the back to to sort of rotate while also keeping strength there. Uh, Mendy, Mendy definitely should start. Doyle I want to see as well. Delap, as Joe says, I want to see him off the bench at least. Um, but yeah, I think there's it's going to be a, a quite a strong team, all things considered, um, because a lot of players need to find form. You know, if this game wasn't three days after our last game, um, I'd be saying that, or sorry, if there wasn't a game three days later, I'd be saying that Sterling should be starting as well because he also needs to find some goal-scoring form. Um, We we could do with a lot of players finding form. I would actually rest Vode in this game. I'd say play Doyle and maybe a Bernabe or someone like that. Uh, you know, I think I think there's plenty of room to give the youth a go, especially when you've got Jesus Mares on the pitch. Um, well, you'd hope they'd feature. You'd hope they'd come off off a bench, and yeah, I think it was Joe who said earlier. Hopefully, were a couple of goals to the good by then. Um, yeah. Manchester. I wonder youth- whether we'll. I wonder whether we'll see that Mbete because Harwood Bellis hasn't really been on the bench, has he? But that Mbete. Yeah, has. he's. I I thought I don't know why I thought he was a left back before um before it was mentioned it told me that he was a centre back so maybe like you say maybe he starts instead of Howard Bellis but Howard Bellis came off the bench didn't he, in the last round um mm. so I'm so I'm hoping that maybe with this being like a lower league opposition that that will mean that sort of the natural progression is that he hopefully then starts the game because he started a couple of games last season as well didn't he early in the yeah. early stages of the cup was it Newport so, that we played against yeah yeah, yeah. so hope so hopefully you know that's sort of the kind of same logic that Pep sticks to this season and throws in a couple of the because if you can't play if you can't play kids in this game if you can't risk to start them in games against low league opposition then and I understand that obviously it's a much more physical game at this level where you know it can often be lump it up to a big man and just have an, a physical battle with a centre back. But if you can't do that against these kind of teams, then when are these kids ever going to get games? Yeah, a bit disrespectful I, to Cheltenham that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, on that very topic, the Manchester News made a really good point this week that the EDS has twice played League Two opposition this season uh, and won both in the EFL 
trophy. Yeah. So, you know, the kids basically have a, a decent track record against league to opposition. So if there's one or two or maybe even three of them starting when surrounded by the likes of Fernandinho and, and kind of, you know, um, Mares, then, yeah, it, that should be fine. And, and you definitely hope to see a few on the bench anyway. Um, on the so- topic of Cheltenham, uh, they're in the playoff spot right now. Andy Williams knows where the goal is. They've drawn the last four in the league, which really can be seen either way. You know, but, but preceding that was a couple of defeats, so it looks like they're kind of on the turn and starting to kind of um, show a little bit of solidity there. So it won't be, you know, the easiest of games. It will just hopefully be a straightforward game. But on that topic, what I really want to talk about today, uh, we'll start with you, Joe. Um, when Premier League sides take on lower league outfits, <coughs> do commentators in the media go too far in trying to paint a fairy tale. It often, for me, personally, it feels very patronised into a lower league teams. Yeah, I think it's it's obviously very clear that the um, the commentators, the pundits, the presenters, etc., they're always begging for the magic of the cup, aren't they? Because I think the bigger story is always going to come out of the lower league team um beating beating the big the big bad Premier League team. Um especially, you know, if, if you're I think it was did Chorley beat Leeds in the last round? Um No Chorley beat th- um uh, Derby Crawley yeah, beat Leeds. Crawley, Derby Crawley beat Leeds. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you if you're someone like Chorley and you are coming up against, you know, teams like that, um I can fully understand why as a neutral, I watch the games like that and I always want the small team to win. I think it's something I think we all sort of want the small teams to beat the big teams if it's not the team we support. Um, so I, I understand why for the neutral, they kind of want to paint that because we all want to kind of see it from a neutral perspective. And that's ultimately what they're really catering for, isn't it? They want the big, they want the biggest story. They want the, um, the best storyline to, to, to play out. But obviously when you're the fan, when you're the fan of the Premier League team involved, it does, it does get very annoying. Um, because you sort of, you know, you're constantly reminded that the team you're playing against is made up of plumbers and teaching assistants and like you know there's there's the squad value difference comparisons that we you know we get those when we play against championship teams so i think if we played against a non-league team i think i'd probably have to just mute the tv um i think it's it's just yeah i I understand why for premier league teams it can it can be quite irritating as a fan of that premier league team i obviously understand what the the kind of your your feelings that it can be a bit patronizing to the team that's worked quite hard to get to the stage of the competition that they're at and sort of shouldn't be given, you know, they are, it feels like a bit like they're being given a pat on the head, aren't they? And saying, oh, well done for getting here, but you've come up against a big team now. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be really tricky for you today. Um, But yeah, ultimately it's, it's all just about painting, painting a story, isn't it? And, and from the TV point of view, it's always going to be, they always, it it happens, you see it in the Premier League. They always want, there's always more excitement from a commentator when the, the team that isn't favourite to win scores a goal. <laughs> than when... McManaman, yeah, the <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I think it's it's always going to happen in the Premier League. So in the in the FA Cup, where that gap is even it, the, the gulf is so huge between some of these clubs that it's always going to be more exciting to sort of potentially see an upset than to just see a Premier League team just go like ease to a straightforward win. Yeah, I mean, I get all that and I accept all that. I mean, the way I feel about it is I think they go too big too early. So what typically will happen is they really, you know, lay it on thick with the kind of difference between the sides, not just the kind of, you know, the squad value, but kind of the quality and, and all the rest of it. And then they go real, you know, dig deep into their backgrounds of the players. So a centre-back, 
you know, let's say a Cheltenham centre back supporting Manchester United as a kid. You know, it's a big dream day for him, and 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 they really go big too early. And it reminds me of a re- of referees who bring the yellow card out after, in the second minute, and it gives them nowhere to go. So what might typically happen? Let's keep to Cheltenham City is they re- you know the first ten minutes they paint this fairy tale picture, and then by the fiftieth minute, City win three nil. Where do they go from there? What they have to do then is really go patronising on these players, Cheltenham players, who are full-time professionals, by the way. <laughs> They're professional footballers and kind of depict them almost like they are kind of, you know, play for the dog and duck every week and this is their, they've won a competition. Yeah, yeah, I fully understand that. Like, once it reaches that point where they've gone, they've lent so hard into the underdog yeah. story that once they once they get absolutely beat, it's just like it's just like, oh well, they've given it a good go, haven't they? You know, they they can they can be proud of, of having given it a good go today, and it's just like, well, I mean, it's still a job. Like, I mean, I understand when it's like, a, if it's a non-league team and they are literally plumbers and teachers yes, then yeah, yeah obviously yeah. like it's it's a completely different story then because at that point it is just that's just like a dream game for them but if you're a league two league one team and you even you know the size of the opposition notwithstanding it's still your it's still your job to like play football quite well and not get absolutely spanked by whoever it is that you're playing against and i think like you say that can be the point where it does get patronizing where you can get slapped six nil and it's like oh it'd be a good experience for the lads out there won't it and it's just like well uh, it's it's not is it really they've just been destroyed and and then they'll talk about the fitness as well so you get to the hour hour mark and they'll you know again just use this as an example i've got no evidence at all to assume that this is going to be the case for cheltenham city um but as this is the game we've been talking about today and uh, it'll get to the hour mark. City could be three nil up, and we'll hear about you know, oh, and the superior fitness now of City. Well, they've got better fitness coaches, sure, but Cheltenham, I repeat, are full time professionals. <laughs> they are professional sportsmen. Um, they're not going to be huffing and puffing and desperate for a fag. So um, yeah, I, I do feel they go too far anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I say, any any footballer should be able to run. What's the average running distance in a game? Like ten k. Like anyone yes. should be able to yeah. sort. Anyone should be able to sort, expected to do that in a in a in even a semi professional capacity with some with some decency. Um, but yeah, I know I know what you mean. It can personally, I understand why it comes. Why sort of the 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 big TV people want to sort of push that narrative more than just like making it a relative rather than being evenly handed. When they, we all know that the Premier League side nine times out of ten will win that game, it's just not really interesting. But I do I do know what you mean when it comes to like the sort of pat on the head patronising side of things yeah. when they're being very soundly beat. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. If anything, I believe it's getting worse. But as problems go, it really isn't a biggie, I guess. It's just something I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> um, let's just talk about something else. Let's talk about the FA Cup in general. Joe, is this still a special tournament for you? Um, or was it more special kind of in your childhood? Um, I, f- I think I've spoken to th- about this on the pod before, but like the FA Cup has never really had that sort of mysticism That's for me right. that it's it's had. Um, for, like, I think obviously it, it's it's different now because football's sort of everywhere on TV all the time, and it's it's not really it's not really sort of like the highlight of the footballing year that it really used to be. Um, but I, it's it's obviously for me it's more the fact of how it's how the trophy itself is seen sort of by like the wider footballing it, it's part of the traditional treble isn't it the FA Cup like you get as 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 sad as this is because the Carabao is the greatest tournament that there's ever been <laughs> the the FA the FA Cup is given far more sort of kudos in like the general footballing world than the League Cup is um, so in the wider scheme of things it's, it's it's a bigger trophy for City to win on that in that sense so um, that's that's kind of that's in that sense it does mean 
a bit it does mean a bit more to me than maybe the carabao would do um but yeah i, I don't have any sort of like long-standing wistful memories of the competition or anything like that <laughs> well, i remember saying to you um it's probably because in your childhood basically it's chelsea arsenal and united just swapping it every year absolutely it? yeah <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was very little once it got to the final there was very little magic to be found in the fa yeah. cup well, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, the good old days, um, the late 80s, the kind of Wimbledon against Liverpool, Coventry against Spurs. Um, Jordan, uh, I know you're kind of too young for those days. So is the FA, is it similar to Joe where it's a value tournament for you in terms of the prestige of it, but it's not really, you know, it doesn't evoke kind of wistful memories, as Joe put it? No, not for me, it does. Um, you know, my the first time I saw City win a trophy was the FA Cup. Mm. Um and that, you know, when Yaya scored past Van der Sar at Wembley um, in 2011, uh, that was one of the best memories I've ever had from football. Um, in fact, probably a better memory than, than when he scored in the final. It was that great. Yeah. Um, so seeing City, you know, for, with the proverbial tearing that banner down, um, that was the FA Cup. So for me, it will always, you know, hold, hold a place in my heart when it comes to football. And also, there are certain days in football which just really capture your love for football. And for me, FA Cup final day, probably not in the current circumstances without the fans. Um, But usually it is one of those days for me, like the playoff final. You know, it's a sort of sunny day at Wembley, 45,000 fans of each team travelling down. I do get quite caught up in that. Um, So I really like the FA Cup. Uh, But... I think like any City fan, um, first of all, we're a bit spoiled at the moment. You know, we, we've had so many, so many trips to Wembley um, to go and watch City <laughs> lift the Carabao recently um, that it did almost get a bit tiresome, which is totally spoiled to say, but it, it did, you know, it's like, oh, really? Another trip to Wembley? Um, but, you know, having had the break from it, you know, I long for those days again where we can go back to Wembley. And... It's just really the the earlier rounds that are a bit tedious, but we, we shouldn't complain at the moment because our domestic cup run is just an absolute joke. Like, let's be honest, the, some of the draws we're getting, we've just got to revel in it at the moment because there'll be there'll be days where it seems like a real chore having to having to go and play a Premiership side away. Um, at the moment, with the draws we're getting, just just enjoy enjoy the ride of it. Really, yeah. you know, ch- Cheltenham away is a dream tie at this stage in the competition. Well, um, I mean, so, that's the thing, it would be a dream tie. It is anyway, but it'd be even more of a dream tie for those away fans who yeah, yeah. home and away. I mean, the trip down. And then also, I, I, I know there's a lot of kind of Cheltenham Blues as well. It's a huge kind of, in terms of, you know, the, a fan group, uh, that area, there's a lot of Blues down there. And oh, oh my God, they, they would, uh, every year, I bet they're watching the FA Cup draws thinking, God, let's have Cheltenham, let's have Cheltenham. And they finally get it and they can't go. And it, it, I mean, that's sort you, you mentioned FA Cup finals there. Um, oh, lads, you would have loved it back in my day. It was amazing. <laughs> Honestly, it started at like 10 in the morning and you did not move away from that telly from 10 in the morning until about half five at night. And I had just helicopters following every single bit of the, the kind of coach journey. And I had just Jimmy Tarbuck getting interviewed outside Wembley, totally randomly. Um, yeah, Jimmy Greaves in the St. John. It was it was wonderful. And I think rubbish. if anything, the, the, the Carabao just takes away from it a bit. I yeah. think we only really need, my personal view is we only really need one domestic cup competition. Um, 
and the fact that we we win the Carabao every year just does make it a little bit less important when it comes to the FA that Cup. is there is definitely there is definitely some truth in that. I think as well that it's a cliche but I think the semi-finals being at Wembley is a joke as well yeah. Yeah. I agree with that yeah. it, ta- it yeah. takes it takes away from the sort of the mysticism of Wembley so yes, much definitely. like when you when you when every club that gets to the final has already been there once to get to the semi in, in the semi-finals it's like well there's not there's nothing special about this anymore because we've already done it and it's like yeah I, I i just don't understand why they've they've made that change but I, I i do agree with jordan as well that obviously the 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 carabao also being another trip to wembley and sort of that coming a few months earlier in the season and almost being another sort of de- like final day in itself is um yeah that does that does that can take away from the fa cup final a bit well, it's far too corporate as well these days, of course, and, and the amount of allocation of tickets for fans as well. So, yeah, there's a lot wrong with FA Cup, but for me, the earlier rounds in particular, just still, I don't know, and I think a lot of it's down to the weather. You know, I'm looking outside now, it's bright, but it's chilly, there's a bite in the air. This, this is an FA Cup weekend. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, and perfect FA Cup weather. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and we've got Manchester United and Liverpool to look forward to. Um this is an impossible question. I, I'm not going to answer this. <laughs> so let's start, <laughs> let's start with you, Jordan. Who do you want to see progress from the two? Neither of them. <laughs> like, no. I mean, you've worded that question badly because I don't, <laughs> don't want to see either of them progress. Um, who do you least want to progress? <laughs> who do I least want to progress? I think you get two types of City fans. I think you get those who love Derby Days and you get those who hate Derby Days. And I fall into the last category. I absolutely can't stand them. Um, right. I don't care if United are in the Championship or whether they're fighting for the title. I don't want to see Man City play Man United because I just want to skip forward the rest of the day. If you offer me a draw at the start, I'll bat your hand off as long as I don't need to watch it. Um, so for that reason, I would least like to see Manchester United get through. Um, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll go over to you, Joe, and I'll kind of phrase it in that way that, that, that Jordan's alluded to there then. So let's say, hypothetically, City beat Cheltenham. And we beat, is it Swansea or Forest in the next round? And we look at the future and we definitely play whoever wins out of United and Liverpool. So who would you be kind of rooting for, not rooting for, but who who would you be kind of hoping goes through then this weekend? Um, I think if, if, if that's the situation where we're definitely going to play in this hypothetical, whoever wins out of the two, mm. I would probably, I would probably have to say, I, would, I think I'd probably rather play United because I just think... I, I, We've not had a perfect record against Oli by any means, but I think in the cups it's been the times where we've had our best performances against them. So I think when they're sort when United don't have the right a draw will do lads sort of attitude, which they can't have in the cup, then I think that's kind of the time where we where we sort of play the best against them because they have to almost it gets to a certain point in the game and they have to start trying. They can't just sit back and wait to counter attack us all game. Um but personally for me in terms of this weekend, uh, I one hundred percent want United to win. I want this really? I want this Liverpool I want this Liverpool downward spiral to just keep going. Um and I've I've been loving watching Klopp get more and more angry as the weeks go on while his team of superstars fails to score goals. Um yeah, I'd love it, mate. I think it'd be. I just think it'd be great to have like another. For me, it's it's not so much that I, I understand that the the inverse of this is that United are sort of going to keep going with their their upward trajectory that they seem to be on at the moment. But I personally think that the the further Liverpool go downwards in terms of like performances and results, then there's the there might there might not even be a way back for them eventually at a certain point. I think they're just they're, mentally it'll just batter them, and I'm I'd be quite happy to see that because I think. 
I, I, I just want to see it after the last couple of years. I just really just want them to be knocked off, a, knocked down a peg or two. Yeah, you nearly said knocked off their perch. I was about yeah. to say that was <laughs> yeah. the word that was coming next. I was, I was, I was, yeah, I was desperate <laughs> to avoid the Fergieism. By the way, why don't we get a perch? What? Why do United or Liverpool just get the perch? Why? Why isn't it ours? I've never understood that. <laughs> um, I, I'm with you, Joe. I, I, I'd rather United go through because of the possibilities. This, you know, as, as vague as it is, of, of meeting them in a semi or a final. I love Derby days. I love playing United. If if I had the choice. I'm playing United every single week from now until the end of the season. Um, not only would I take it, I'd take it because I believe then we'd win the league by a comfortable ten points. They're garbage. Um, we are significantly better than them. And over, you know, if we played them week in week out, they could beat us on a on a day. Of course they could. But if we played them week in week out, we would be superior. Um, but yeah, I, I would, yeah, and for the same reasons as what you said, Joe, as well. It would, just to continue this kind of crisis, if you like, that Liverpool are having now. They haven't scored in the league for 438 minutes, which is just unimaginable from five or six weeks ago. Um, staying with Liverpool, Jordan, Will Klopp, and particularly given, you know, the results as they've been recently and all the focus on Liverpool, will Klopp dare to play any kids this weekend? Will he play a weekend side as he typically does in the Cup? Um, well, he rested Salah and Firmino, or at least tried to last night, um, which to me indicates that he's going to to at least play them. Uh, I I don't really know. I don't think you'll see the sort of Liverpool kids lineup that you've seen in previous campaigns um, or even previous rounds. I think if they play kids, it'll be the likes of Curtis Jones and Nico Williams, who have already played a decent amount for the yeah, first yeah. team. Um, I, I think he'll take it seriously. And I think, you know, Joe's saying there that he wants to see Liverpool unravel. Um, I think they will be mindful of that, that they fa- they need to stop the rot a little bit. They've not scored a goal in four games now, which is pretty ridiculous um, for a team of that quality. Um, and, you know, when you've not scored a goal for four games, you don't want to be coming up against a stubborn Manchester United side that can punish you on the break as well. Um, so I think they'll be taking it very seriously and I think they'll be going full strength Um I think they need to. I don't think they've really, really got a chance. It doesn't really matter what competition it is. Um, they need to get back to winning ways because it's not looking good for them at the moment. And it's not irreparable damage by any means. You know, they're still well in it in the in the league. And, you know, a cup run can obviously inspire the uh, feel-good factor. But they, they need, they can't really afford a loss here. They yeah. can't. And looking at the fixture, um, Joe, do you think this has become too overhyped in recent years? It's always been, you know, extremely hyped. Of course it is. But at least from the neutral's perspective, it used to be some cracking games when these two played. Now it just feels like every time it disappoints, doesn't it? Yeah, I was trying to think back off the top of my head. I haven't looked back at the... There might have been a result more recent than this that actually was quite good. But the last one I can really think of was the um, was the the one where Anthony Martial scored is sort of... Oh, yeah. Martin yeah, yeah. Ty- Martin Tyler's welcome to the Premier League goal, <laughs> um, and I think in that in that same game, Benteke scored that amazing overhead kick that like yeah. no one ever no one talks about because obviously the Martial goal overshadowed it. But I think that was in twenty that was twenty fifteen. I think that was the last time that I've actually watched a Liverpool United game and been properly entertained. Um, the fact that it's that, just can I just say sorry the fact that that was coming up to six years ago is very concerning. Mm. Yeah, how's that? hundred percent. Just flown. Twenty fifteen was it actually? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it was, it was uh, Martial's oh, first season under 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 Van Gaal. So uh, yeah, because Mourinho took him in 
And people still talk about Marshy Allen's like, you know, oh, we just need to settle in. <laughs> it's just, just Jesse Lingard, isn't he? He's like a young kid. Yeah, um, yeah I think, but I, I can't even begin to imagine how many millions Sky have spent on marketing this fixture alone in sort of the last few seasons. And it's never been good. Like, it's always been. It, I remember the season, was it It was 18 19, wasn't it, where we, we won the league, but um, they, they played each other. I remember, it was when we it was the Carabao final because I went to watch that Carabao final. We were so, stood in the concourse at Wembley, sort of watching the game play out to a dour nil nil, and it was just it, that's basically every United v Liverpool game nowadays. It's always just it, it, if if one team's going to win, it's by a very narrow margin. And I don't know if that's because I don't know if that's because both teams sort of go into the go into the games thinking a draw is is basically enough. They sort of account for a draw being the minimum that they get. So they're quite happy to take one once it reaches a certain point of the game. But um, yeah, but like you say, considering sort of the games that it used to be and how sort of fierce, it doesn't even feel like a particularly fierce rivalry anymore. It no. just feels like, it just feels like another Premier League game of two, of two top four clubs, which is, you know, not, not the best for the, for the, you know, for the neutrals. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I watch it now and I just end up going to do something else instead. It actually can't grab my attention. I mean, Manchester United Liverpool can't grab my attention anymore, which is saying something. Um, just last question on this, Jordan Bruno Fernandez. It's often said that United are overly reliant on him, and you know this is an extremely rare occurrence where I actually feel a bit aggrieved on United's behalf because I believe what's the difference between Bruno Fernandez and Kevin De Bruyne, for example, Ever, or Aston Villa with kind of Jack Grealish. Every team needs their kind of, you know, superstar creative player who does it week in, week out. Um, would you go along with that? Or do you think there is a problem at United where they can't do without him? Because at least with City, we can do without De Bruyne if we have to. Yeah, it, it winds me up a little bit, this whole Bruno Fernandez thing. And I think it's just like football tribalism. It's, you know, most mm. obvious. Um, if you can't see that Bruno Fernandez is a great footballer, first of all, then you, you just, I'm sorry, you don't yeah, really know much about football. Um the the impact that he has had on Manchester United since signing is probably as big an impact as any footballer has had on a club in the past five years. Um, he has transformed them into a side who are capable of, you know, challenging for a title. Um, there, there's definitely an over-reliance though on him. There is, because as we we know all too well, your best players have habits of getting injured and without Bruno Fernandes, that United side is very, very ordinary and they become that team who do just sit back and can't break teams down at home and just try and grind out nil-nils against the bigger teams. And to an extent, they are that even with Bruno Fernandes, but what he gives them is that bit of star quality. He gives them that bit of hope that he can muster something out of nowhere to win them a game. Um... And if you take De Bruyne out of City, it's a bit different because City are absolutely littered with top quality players. And as we saw in 1819, City didn't don't really need De Bruyne to win the league, which is unbelievable to say. But they don't because Bernardo Silva can step up to the plate and Ilkay Gundogan can step up to the plate. United don't have anyone close to Fernandez's level. And that's just a fact. So saying that United relies too heavily on Bruno Fernandes is accurate. Um, are they right to rely heavily on him? Yes, because 
he's you know you, you can't do anything about it if he's your best player he's your best player exactly yeah, yeah. Um, it's a positive but, more than a negative surely it's I mean I can see you know what you say I agree with what you're saying that you know they would struggle without him but I just don't understand why it's being painted as such a negative thing really it's it's surely it's a positive thing I mean they've yeah. got Fernandez we've got De Bruyne um, you know, Villa, as I said, have got Grealish. Uh, to, to kind of say, oh, yeah, but they'll be screwed without him, it's, it's kind of... I think... It's, sorry, it's like, like being given a Porsche from nowhere and then someone saying, oh, yeah, but imagine if you crashed that. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. the negative of it. I think I think part of it, though, is... And we saw it when... when We saw it in the Liverpool game. We saw it when they played against us. If, if Bruno Fernandes doesn't perform, so he's their best player, and if he, if he doesn't... If he, and he has a tendency to go missing in those games he because does, any yeah. any any sort of any any decently organized teams, which the top teams usually are, can can work out a way to basically nullify Fernandez and sort of like mark him out of a game or press him out of a game. And if he doesn't do it, nobody steps up to the plate. And that's sort of and I know that I know what you mean in the sense that you know having a good player is a positive thing for the club. But it's kind of like when United had De Gea saving them every single week. Like <laughs> is it, the moment the moment De Gea's form slips, United slip. And the moment that and the moment that Bruno Fernandez stops pulling out ridiculous assists and goals from nowhere, then United sort of don't really score very many goals and struggle to results. And I think that's what we've I think Actually, in the last week or two, we've seen that Pogba's stepping up a bit. And if he continues to sort of go in this, if he continues to play for this move out of United that he seems to be doing at the moment, then then he can, you know, he can sort of hopefully pick up some of the, well, hopefully from United's point of view, pick up the slack, some of the slack from Fernandez in those games where he does maybe have a tendency to go missing because I think he didn't play particularly well against um, against Fulham either. Um but yeah, I, I think the the main reason why people see it as a negative is because it, it's because he has a tendency to go missing when it matters. And if that's going to be if you if your best player doesn't turn up for the biggest games of the season, then you're already immediately on the back foot in the biggest games of the season. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough, lads. Um, right. Well, the time's coming against us. Um, so the final question, if we just keep it to the basically, you know, like a one-word answer, really, and just pick a. A fixture. What I kind of want to know is where do you foresee a possible upset this weekend? I'll go first very quickly. I think Plymouth away at Sheffield United. Blades have been garbage in the league this year. Plymouth got a proven goal scorer, um, and also Plymouth. I, I fancy Plymouth. You know, it's have a good cup run. So um, that's my shout. Um, Jordan, what about you? Yeah, well, I don't think you. Without fans, you don't really tend to see many upsets. So, you know, I looked at the fixtures. that I did see that Plymouth one, and I, I thought that could be a good shout for one. Um, I'm not sure if it would even count as an upset, but Brentford against Leicester. I think Leicester are rest yeah. players, and Brentford are pretty much a Premier League side who could easily turn over Leicester. So, um, yeah, I'll go for Brentford-Leicester. You can see a Brentford win there. Lovely. Joe? I actually had Brentford Leicester as well, just because I, just purely because I think that I think that Leicester will have their eyes on the Premier League, yeah. and maybe that maybe they won't want the FA Cup to sort of get. They're not gonna they're not gonna prioritize that while they've got a potential title charge going on at the moment. And Europa League other, as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The other one, the other one that I've come up with is um, is West Ham v Doncaster. I think they're in a kind of similar situation to Leicester, where they can potentially do something pretty memorable this season. So maybe maybe having the cup fixtures might be more of a distraction for West Ham than they'd prefer. So they might go with a bit of a weakened team, and maybe Doncaster. Castor will get something, but I'd like to see Chorley beat Wolves tonight. But I, I think, I think, I think maybe this might be the final, the final hurdle yeah, for them. I'll, I'll be cheering them on, but it's yes, yeah, so unlikely. But right, lads. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Jordan. Pleasure, mate. Thanks, Joe. 
Cheers, thank you very much. And thanks to all the listeners listening in. Uh, this week we've seen off a storm return to the top of the table, if only for a couple of hours, and said sayonara to an overindulged sociopath who had the nuclear code. As weeks go, it's not been a bad one, as long as you overlook, you know, absolutely everything else. Let's hope next week is slightly better still, and the one after that is an improvement further. In the meantime, though, take care of yourselves, everyone, and forever, up the blues. <laughs>